NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Hey, let's make this Memorial Day weekend very memorable. Let's save some money at SaveWithConrad.com. What about a summer vacation from house payments? That's right. No house payments in June or July. You're done until August 1st. And come August 1st, you're going to have a better mortgage. But don't take my word for it. Just ask Omar in Tucson, Arizona. He left us a five-star review at conradreviews.com. And he said, from the minute I requested information to the day my refinance was completed, I was treated with respect and kept completely in the loop. I had already given the information to multiple friends who are looking to refinance. Thank you so much for all of your help. And thank you for your business, Omar. Let me tell you this right now. If you can hear my voice and you're in a 30-year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Even worse, if you've got credit card debt, you might be feeling stuck making the minimum payments. Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of all that debt once and for all? Just like that. SaveWithConrad.com can make saving money fast and easy, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. And we're licensed in more than 40 states, so what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Dark Side of the Podcast. And, of course, we couldn't do this show without the creators of this wonderful series that you can catch every Thursday night on Vice it's Evan and Jason. Evan, how are you, man? Uh, doing better. Doing better. Now I'm doing good. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having us back. A little bit of an intense week, but I'm alive. I'm here. Uh, Jason, I've been talking to Evan a little bit this week, and uh, he's changed his nickname this week to the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, <laughs> the Ultimate Warrior? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's hilarious that the, the conversation got turned all the way up online this week, a and E versus vice Jason, mm-hmm. did you ever feel like this was a competition between you and, and the other crew doing a warrior doc this week? Um, not really. No. When we set out to make this documentary, uh, we had no idea that there was another one in the works and, um, it wasn't until we were, I think we were getting close to announcing our season and some of the subjects that we were going to tackle that we saw that A&E were also doing a, a story about the Ultimate Warrior. Um, so that was, you know, but we all already had our episode. I think like it was almost done by that point. We were still editing, um, but we already had the majority of, of it, you know, in the can. Uh, That's right. So it's been interesting to see, um, yeah, like how people were anticipating this week. Uh, I saw some people kind of mention that it reminded them of the old Monday Night Wars, you know, between <laughs> <laughs> WWE and WCW. It's kind of ridiculous, but um, there was that kind of energy to it. And I think people were expecting certain things from us and how we were going to handle his story and how A&E were going to handle their story. And I think, um, I think people were actually kind of surprised by the outcomes of both of them. I agreed. Yeah. Well, what'd you think of the A&E documentary, Evan? Well, um, yeah, like Jason said, um, I, we didn't know they were making a documentary. I don't think they knew we were making a documentary. So, I mean, we were just absolutely curious to find out. Um, cause you know, I'm going to be perfectly honest, Right out, right, right out of the gate here, this episode for us, uh, making 
this uh, th- this Ultimate Warrior story, I think, is one of the more challenging episodes we've ever had to make, if not the most challenging. Really? Because, you know, you have the runtime is, you know, you don't, we only have that hour. We only get the luxury of pretty much choosing one two-hour episode per season. Just get that breaks down to, you know, what the network wants from us. And uh, it was just really hard to compact it all to figure out how to tell it and to get voices on board to tell that story. So I was really curious going into watching the A&E story. And I know we should we, we can definitely talk about it more as we go, I think. Um, but um, for me, I th- th- there was stuff I really liked um, in the story. Like I, 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 I to me, it was noticeable that there wasn't a lot of wrestling voices, you know, people that were his peers in the industry. And I could also kind of sense a similar um, not for, I'm not going to say frustration, but just inter- challenge. I'm sure that, that the filmmakers of that piece also had a similar challenges that we did. And it would be so interesting to have a conversation with them about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I think I, I could pick up on that just based upon the voices they had and the archival interviews they had. Um, but there was some amazing stuff in there. I mean, the, the whole, I, I know that, that, that the three of us have talked about this offline, but the, you know, Vince apology video was, uh, Ugh. quite astounding. It's so incredible. Uh, 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 yeah. So that was great. And, um, and yeah, I, I, there, there was a lot of things I liked about it. The last little bit, which I'm sure we'll talk about in terms of the, uh, the, the controversial statements of the ultimate warrior, that stuff for me, I thought was handled in a interesting way <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, but for the most part, I think, and I saw people talk about this online too, that both docs, I think do complement each other in a lot of ways. And I think that's kind of the coolest part to look like. That's the coolest way to look at both of this is that, you know, they're, you know, Jim Helwig was a polarizing, divisive figure, and I think it's absolutely appropriate <laughs> that you're going to get in the same year two documentaries about the same guy from kind of two different perspectives. And I think that looking at those pieces together um, actually does give you more of a sense of the complete uh, picture of this guy, or even a or a closer than either documentary did on its own, perhaps. Yeah. And this was something that the fans have wanted us to do almost more than any other episode. It was one of the most highly requested topics when we asked our fans online, what would they like to see us do for season three? And Ultimate Warrior is one of the top. He's like, he's actually one of the top even amongst my um, my friends who don't necessarily, they haven't followed wrestling in the last like 20 years, but they remember him so fondly and they always would ask me like, or they can't come to me and say, yeah, good job on that, you know, that wrestling show. Like, what's the deal with the ultimate warrior? Like whatever happened to that guy? And so he's just <laughs> been somebody that's been on the minds. I think even just from, for wrestling fans that, you know, that have that nostalgia for him, uh, with, with growing up with that, that character. Evan, we should also say too that, Oh, sorry to, Oh, sorry to cut you off, Conrad. I was just going to say that it's also the Ultimate Warrior is the biggest subject we've ever covered on the show, right? I mean, he's the most famous uh, wrestler as a subject that Darkseid's ever looked at. And so I think that also, you know, going into this this week with the two dueling documentaries, I think made it even that much more intense and high and high pressure, at least from my standpoint. I mean, I'm the freaking Ultimate Warrior over here. So, yeah. Jason, you and I have talked a little bit, um, over the years about our, our fandom growing up. And I think last week I sort of set the stage that I'm a huge ultimate warrior fan. Uh, even now as a damn near 40 year old, I've got here in my little home studio, three different pieces of ultimate warrior memorabilia 
but even, you know, as a nine-year-old, he was my absolute favorite. My nine-year-old birthday cake was an ultimate warrior themed <laughs> cake. He was a big part of my childhood, <laughs> Amazing. but you saw in the A and E documentary that there were fans who sort of struggled with the separation mm-hmm. of the ultimate warrior and Jim Helwig, because later in his life, Jim Helwig had some pretty controversial stances that alienated a lot of folks. And I, me personally am able to separate the character, the ultimate warrior and Jim Helwig. Let's just start at the beginning of that. Jason, were you a fan of the ultimate warrior? And if so, can you separate your fandom from the man? Yeah, I, I definitely was a huge <laughs> ultimate warrior fan growing up. Um, I remember getting my first, like, I think the first Hasbro action figure I got was the ultimate warrior one. And that action figure won every single imaginary fight that I created amongst all my other toys. You know, he was really part of a spark of my imagination of starting to tell stories when I was a kid. And yeah, when he came into WWF, you know, it was just the energy that he brought, the music, all the neon colors, like that really stuck with me. Like to this day, I'm still, you know, those are my favorite colors are like the ones that he used. And Gosh, like I remember like that spot that he did with the Undertaker where the Undertaker locked him inside the casket mm. and then like he like screwed it shut and the Ultimate Warrior couldn't breathe and then he was trapped in there for five or six minutes and they brought paramedics out and everyone to try and, you know, it felt like a really real thing. As a kid, it was like this kind of traumatic thing that I saw on TV and I remember even going upstairs and yelling to my mom that she's got to come see this. Like, here's my favorite you know, athlete at the time, you know, being stuffed into a casket, screwed shut. And, you know, it, it, it looked like he was going to die. And I was literally like pounding on the TV, like hoping someone would help him. And so, yeah, he left such an incredible impression on me as a kid. And then as I grew up and had, you know, nostalgia for that character, wanting to know more. And then you heard about some of the things that he talked about, in his later in the later part of his life and um there was a lot of like hate speech rhetoric that he uh that he, he talked about and you know in terms of separating it from the him from the character he makes it really like difficult in a way which sucks because he is one of the few examples of someone who actually took that character's name and he attached it to himself he got he renamed himself legally a warrior right so that makes it like a little difficult to me because now like he, he had taken that character and he attached all this baggage to it that I didn't sign up for as a fan. And that was one of the things I thought was one of the more powerful things about the A&E documentary and, you know, it taking kind of a more fan perspective of it. And when you heard like Sam Roberts and Ron Futches talk about it and Ron, I think said something along the lines of like, when you believe hate in your heart, you hurt those that look up to you and that's that rang so true to me in the doc because that's how i felt and i remember finding out those things as a like like some of that rhetoric um Mm. that made it really complicated for me to wrestle with my own fandom um for the ultimate warrior evan i was just gonna say yeah um same for me. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I was right at that age. I, I I was going to the WWF house shows in 91. Um, and uh, I, I, I think leading up to WrestleMania, because that's when he had the program with Randy, right? 
Isn't that the 91 WrestleMania? Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. So yeah, I I, I was on that house show loop <laughs> leading up to that and saw him live and in color and it was amazing. Um, I got, you know, the Ultimate Warrior action figures, the wrestling buddy. In fact, my niece who uh, just last year turned two and I found a mint Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy that I gifted to her and she loved it and named it Dewey. Its name is Dewey. It's <laughs> absolutely adorable. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, he, he was a part of my, you know, that early 90s, you know, getting into WWF. Um, yeah. And he's he's one of the I mean, you talk about uh, WrestleFest, you know, I'm going to play as the Ultimate Warrior on WrestleFest yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, as similar to Jason, it's like, especially in, in, in today's age, um, like I knew about the infamous, you know, college speaking tour moment that was covered in, in our doc and also in the A&E doc. Um, but I didn't really understand the breadth of, uh, you know, for years, how much, you know, Jim Helwey or, you know, warrior used his platform for years to spread a lot of hate speech, not just, you know, um, uh, about gay people, but also other groups and other, <laughs> and, 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 you know, cause we looked at it a lot for this story and that just took my breath away almost in terms of some of the things that he had said, which in large part has been kind of erased from the internet and, 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 you know, in, in recent years, but some of it still exists. Um, and yeah, I think, I, I think Jason's right on. I think it does make it hard to separate because Jim is one of the guys who appropriated his character into who he really is. Um, but also, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, also for me, and maybe this is too really, this is controversial. But looking back at the Ultimate Warrior now, with my eyes, even even separating it as a wrestling fan, I don't know. I don't. I, I I I don't. I don't put him anywhere near on the 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 Hall of the Rushmore or whatever with like a Randy Savage or you know even a Hogan or or any of those guys in terms of me and in terms of actually sitting down and watching the matches or any of that stuff. But yeah, for me, it's it's maybe now knowing what I know now, and of course how his legacy has been carried on by the WWE. I think it makes it even extra hard. And I also saw people online talk about like you know when they were presumptuous and what our episode was going to be about. Oh, we're, they're going to bury the Ultimate Warrior. It's going to be buried. You're going to bury him. You know, and that whole burial thing is so weird to me a little bit from the outside. But like, I don't know if there's anybody who buries the Ultimate Warrior like the ultimate warrior buries the ultimate warrior to be honest with you so i don't know uh for me it's it is hard to separate it, it is hard to separate mainly because of what you know exactly how jason laid it out so let's talk about the very beginning of this uh, how did this first become an idea for dark side jason yeah well like i was saying before it was you know through the years of making this show the ultimate warrior has been one of the more highly requested topics that the fans have wanted us to to do and you know like i was saying too like my i had such a big fandom for the ultimate warrior growing up and it was something like i wanted to know more about who this person was you know he is one of those figures that you know there are like i felt like there even though there are documentaries that have been previously made about him i feel like they never really got down to the essence of who the guy was and like what made him tick and so when we had the opportunity to interview his uh, ex-wife Sherry Tyree, that was such a light bulb moment for us because here's somebody who was cl- more closer to Jim Helwig than anyone else 
you know, during that time period of him, you know, him coming up in the wrestling world. And so that for us got really exciting because we felt like we had an opportunity to show people a side of the ultimate warrior that they, they probably hadn't seen. And maybe it could help us like understand like who this person was and what led to him becoming, you know, who he became and where did maybe some of that, you know, the, 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 uh, that rhetoric came from uh, later on in his life. Yeah. And I think for me too, is like, it kind of took me by surprise um, when we put out the kick, you know, cause at, at the end of every season, we put out the tweet like, Hey, you know, what does everybody want to see for the next season? And when we put that out going into the third season, I was kind of, I was really surprised um, just at how, how many responses we got about the ultimate warrior. And cause that, that was one that I just really hadn't really considered. I mean, Jason and I have considered, the same 60 or so stories for dark side for years now and ultimate warrior just wasn't one of the ones that we had even thought uh, thought about before mm-hmm. so that so that was a little bit surprising especially because you know there is the self destruction there's the other one that WWE did i think that was 2014 or 15 shortly after he passed away and so so to me it was like well if we're going to do this you know we got the 44 minutes that's tough how are we going to boil this down what is it going to be about we want to try and find a different avenue not to retread you know too much of the same stuff and um i remember you know we thought about a lot of different stuff we thought about maybe it could be about the legacy maybe it can be about the warrior award and kind of how his legacy has morphed into something kind of quite puzzling you know or or is it going to be about those early years and i think it's when we found out about sherry because i didn't really know anything about his first wife or anything and when we got to talk to her um actually at first she turned us down when we actually reached out to her um and and made contact with her she was like no i you know i don't want to really have anything to do with that i'm a, I'm a private person i don't want to you know get my story out there and so we totally respected that but we kept the line of communication open and then she went off on her own and she watched i think the owen hart episode and the von erics episode of dark side and she had known the von erics really well from the time her and jim obviously were in world class and jim was really good friends with owen hart as well one of his uh closest friends in wrestling and she really uh liked our portrayal of both of those stories and then she came back to us and wanted to start talking about sharing her 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 story and um and yeah, and, and and you know, and she was just amazing. She's an absolutely amazing person. Um, and the the big thing that stuck out to me about what she had to say was when she started talking about how because she was very familiar with Jim's, even though they divorced in the early nineties, she was very familiar with where his career went. She was following it. She had seen the documentaries. She'd seen all the shoot interviews online with wrestlers, you know, sharing their stories and 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 burying him or whatever. And she agreed with a lot of that stuff that's been out there historically, but she felt that it was a very you know simplistic black or white sort of portrayal of this man, and that he was there that that there was more to him. And she says that in the beginning of the episode too, and, and talking about how this is a guy who had a lot of insecurities. And I think that key word really popped out at me, like oh yeah, because I think you can trace back a lot of Jim's behavior to the fact that he really struggled with being very, very insecure as a person. And he also struggled with severe anxiety. I mean, even in the A&E documentary, when they show that that drug test of when he failed the drug test, he was on a lot of, you know, severe anxiety medication. So I think when you kind of, when I heard that, you know, the ultimate warrior, that guy, like, you know, suffering from insecurities and suffering from anxiety, 
that to me was like, okay, here's a way we can take the story of this contentious figure and make him and and make him a human, make him relatable. Because previously, I don't think he's been any he hasn't been relatable to anyone really before that. And I think now this kind of shows him in in you know as yes, a flawed person in some ways, but also in other ways everyone deals with those issues, you know? And so I think that was where it was like, okay, we can tell a story that is more of the human side of Jim Helwig. And that's what our show does anyway, or that's what we try to do. Yeah. We try to show the human side stuff, so. Yeah, and that's what I connected with so much too, is like to see that this guy who was so larger than life, was such a huge figure in wrestling, had been suffering from anxiety and like, and insecurity in that way like i don't know like that just made him someone like i could even relate to to a degree you know that um, yeah yeah so like that i thought yeah was very really interesting and yeah and the one other thing too is like when you look at you know in in our story his relationship with vince you know and 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 the annie story talked about the father figure dynamic between there which i thought was probably my favorite whole section of that whole doc but just talking about the father figure the insecurities that he had going into there obviously there were a lot of wrestlers in the wwf locker room who i think had a chip on their shoulder about how jim came into the business because obviously you know he's a bodybuilder he wasn't grandfathered into wrestling you know he, he didn't you know he, he paid some dues but he 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 made it to the top very very fast and i think a lot of people resented that because vince put you know the 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 rocket pack on him but the thing is, is that I think that he was never fully comfortable in that role as the champion. And I think that a lot of his actions after WrestleMania all can be traced back to his insecurities. Um, I think becoming a bodybuilder, you know, in general for him specifically, Cherry touches on it. He had a traumatic childhood and, you know, that was a way for him to feel better about himself because of those insecurities. And then when we look at the hate speech later on, maybe he's becoming super, super irrelevant. I'm sure that he has some bigotry ingrained inside him, but I think that also you can trace back to his insecurities as well. So I think that kind of does, when she said that, I mean, that that answers a lot of questions to this very enigmatic, uh, fascinating, but enigmatic character in wrestling. Jason, obviously you probably never met the ultimate warrior and certainly never met his father. How much of this do you think comes back to his relationship with his father and how, when that got strained, it made it easier for the, the Vince thing to work and then ultimately fall apart. Yeah, I believe, I think his father left them when he was 12 years old. And I think also may have like cheated on his mom as well. And yeah, that was definitely something that Sherry talked about that heavily affected him um mm-hmm. throughout the course of yeah his his whole life and it's it's interesting too like when those things happen and it, it like it, it's like a, this traumatic thing that happens to a kid that their father does and then in some ways they like like live out some of those things that their father did right you know? and that's something you can see that the that warrior did as well and, and i think uh oh sorry go ahead Evan, you and I have talked a lot off air about how sometimes the most fascinating perspective of these wrestler profiles that you wind up doing are meeting the wives because we, as wrestling fans, we know, oh, well they did this and they did that. We know what the angles and storylines, and we know about their professional life, but what we don't know is the toll that that can take on the personal life and who better qualified to talk about that than the wife. And we hear and see a lot of Dana warrior, but 
most of us have never even heard Sherry's testimony. Tell us about getting her on board, how she came around and what you were most shocked to learn about her. Well, yeah, like I said, you know, she told us no. And then when, when she did see the episodes of the show, you know, I, I, she could sense that, you know, we're not trying to be, uh, an expose or we're not trying to be a sensationalist sort of show. And, you know, we want to, you know, we had the same goals, you know, she, she wanted to humanize Jim Helwig and, and so did we, you know, that's what we wanted to do, but to tell an honest story as well. And so, um, once she had seen the show and we talked about it, um, and, you know, made the, made the plans to do the, the interview and she was so amazing. I, mean, I just remember when we showed up, she had all those photographs. I mean, that's one thing too to talk about is all of those photographs in in our episode. I don't think I've ever really been seen before. You know, all those intimate shots of them uh, together, or just Jim around the house, or him on phones and <laughs> with dogs and things. It's just amazing. I love that glimpse. So Jason and I, when we started the show, that's the thing that to us feels um, the most interesting. When you get that perspective from somebody uh from a family member more specifically who just doesn't have that allegiance to wrestling they don't have a you know a hope to get back in the ring or they you know there's there's nothing holding them back or any anything and they can just tell you that honest human side to this person because they were the closest to that individual before you know uh, whatever happened happened and so um that that to us was just super super fascinating to be able to get her to talk about this and i think she does an excellent job at humanizing jim i think one of my favorite scenes which you know watching it back this past thursday which really kind of landed extra hard for me um it's kind of like i don't know for at least for me i kind of see the episodes for the first time even though i've seen them hundreds of times when they're on the actual airwaves it's kind of like watching it for the first time in some weird way but uh, that whole scene where she has the reconciliation oh, with Jim, yeah. you know, where they're, they have a friendship now, they're, they're past their marriage, and they're working out at the same gym, and then they decide that, you know, hey, you know, Helwig has is, is fallen in love with somebody else, and she's fallen in love with somebody else, she's pregnant, she's going to get married, and she's going to have a kid, and the fact that, like, they have this, like, a reconciliation where they know they need to go their separate ways, and that is such a... I don't know. It's just a really beautiful moment. It's a really, I never would have anticipated that there'd be a beautiful moment, you know, uh, with, uh, with, with Jim Helwig in this episode, you know, going into it, but there is. And I think that's a very relatable human thing because human relationships also aren't so black and white, you know, and they are complicated. And, um, and yeah, and that to me really leapt off the screen. And uh, I think this was very cathartic for Sherry. I think she's been holding on to this for a very long time, watching others talk about, you know, Jim and, you know, o- over the years. And I think for her, just this whole getting this off her chest and telling this story and having her perspective, sh- you know, out there, I think has helped her. Not, not that she was seeing that, but I think just in the process of that has been a very cathartic thing for her. And one of the best... <laughs> Things that were one of the most amazing things she told me the other day is after the episode aired, uh, you know, she, she works as a nurse, I think, at a elder care facility is what she does now. And um, and I, uh, she told me she she went into work on Friday morning and everybody in the building gave her a standing ovation <laughs> oh because they watched the episode, you know, and I'm just like, God damn, man, that's, that's cool. It's great. It's put yeah. a smile on my face. And yeah, she's so cool. Like 
and I love just getting to hear like how um, you know she's integral to the origin story of the warrior, you know, and how she's helping him design the Dingo Warrior and getting the you know all the tassels and and everything for him. And then I love that moment where uh, he asks her to sit in the audience and watch people's reactions and gauge yeah. <laughs> you know, what people think of him. And that stands out like I just see that as like a scene in a movie, you know, like you're just your expectations of going to see your partner be this, you know, performer as the ultimate, you know, the dingo warrior in the ring. And then like just the, the flat reaction it gets from the audience um, and her having to be honest with him and to help, you know, coach him with, uh, you know, developing that character. Yeah. And she's also really, um, and she's a fan of wrestling too, you know, oh, you can um, and that always doesn't yeah. happen, you know, with, uh, with the family members. And she, uh, she was close to a lot of the the wrestlers and the wrestlers' wives back in the world class. I mean, she knew all the Von Erics, you know, she knew all the refs and, you know, all those, you know, Gary Hart, you know, got to shout out Gary Hart. Because um, I, 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 I do believe Gary Hart is the, the guy that came up with the Dingo Warrior. You know, I think he was like stoned out of his mind and like was like, you're going to be the Dingo Warrior <laughs> you know, or whatever, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, but anyway, she was close to all of them. And I just love how in the episode you hear her use wrestling terminology, but not in a way that like, you know, feels completely authentic. Like it's, it's rolling off the tongue for her. And then I love how she name drops, you know, Barry Horowitz, you know, all this stuff. You know, yeah. and it's 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 awesome to see, and then to hear her just talk about um, all that stuff, and she completely re- recontextualized the WrestleMania uh, six match to me, because <clears throat> I don't know if it comes across as clear in the episode, but you know, just talking about how absolutely anxiety ridden you know Warrior was going into that match, and how she's watching the match, and it's this overwhelming emotional experience, not just because it's just you know the excitement and the entertainment and the stakes of the title but just because of everything that you know jim had pushed himself farther than anyone to get into that position and then here it is and he's realizing it you know and all that's happening but she also knows that this is a semi-dangerous step you know for their relationship because who knows the bigger he gets the more complicated their relationship is going to become because he's going to be gone he's going to be traveling and all of that so that is all just like wrapped up into such a um I don't know. Like I, th- that to me is also very a very human aspect of this that we as fans really take for granted. You know, it's okay. You can admit it. You're skeptical about all my commercials about SaveWithConrad.com. So was Nathan in Fairfield, Pennsylvania. He left us a five star review over at ConradReviews.com, and here's what he had to say: I've been hearing the ads for Save with Conrad on his podcast network for years, but I was skeptical about it being able to benefit me. Boy, was I wrong. The process was quick, easy, and has put my family in a better place. The service delivers all that is promised quick and easy as advertised. That's really what we do, Nathan. And thank you for your business. We greatly appreciate it at SaveWithConrad.com. right now. We can save your family. Just like we did. Nathan's skeptics are allowed and welcome. But if you've got a 30 year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt. There's never been a better time to take advantage of this opportunity than right now. What we're talking about is saving tens of thousands of dollars from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to get dressed up in a three-piece suit for a two-hour appointment across town with a banker. Check it out right now, savewithconrad.com, and if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But what you're really getting is the peace of mind of knowing that you've got the best deal for your family with my family at savewithconrad.com. 
NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Come on, let's take a summer vacation from house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the backlash online. I felt like after this episode aired, and I guess we should acknowledge here that we're a few days late recording this. We had an equipment snafu a few days ago, so sorry about the delay, but still I continued to see a, a lot of negativity towards Sherry and I can't really put my finger on why that is. Um, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I felt like I saw more of it like right before the episode was dropping because um, we, we were posting some pictures and stuff of Sherry on our Instagram with with uh, Warrior and that it was there like I saw like a lot of that kind of rhetoric where people were uh, kind of talking trash about her a little bit there but I think I don't know I didn't have I didn't see it so much afterwards because I felt like I don't know people thought yeah. that she was pretty genuine uh when they saw the full episode and got all the context but yeah before with some of the pictures and the clips that we released like th- like we were saying people thought this was going to be a burial and then they probably associated her with that too thinking that she was going to yeah. come on our show and bury uh yeah. warrior but um you know it's, it's, it's absolutely the opposite <laughs> It's interesting how small this world is. Um, you know, we just a few weeks ago talked about Brian Pillman and you guys kicked off this season with a Brian Pillman episode and we heard from Melanie Pillman. And Mm -hmm. as the story goes, once upon a time, Melanie Pillman was involved with the ultimate warrior. And this week over on the observer site, I learned something new from Dave Meltzer. Apparently, uh, once warrior won the title in 90, Melanie was traveling with him. So is there a chance you think that? You know, Melanie was, was the other woman that, that Sherry discovered, Jason, do you have a theory on that? Did y'all discuss that? Um, I didn't discuss it with her and I think yeah, it was cause I did. That, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Evan, you were going to say, well, just cause yeah, in, in, in doing the interview, you know, she, Sherry just, just with, you know, with respect to her and, you know, and, and she didn't want to make it about, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, naming folks. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that it is, but we didn't learn that from her, you know, um, directly. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually not sure, but I know that that information has been out there. So we kind of have to draw our own conclusions on that one, but she, she just didn't want to, um, you know, uh, talk about name names or anything to that extent. So I'm curious I mean, when, when you guys interviewed yeah. Melanie, did you ask about the ultimate warrior at any point or was it all about Brian? It was mostly obviously about Brian, you know, because that was the that was the priority. Sure. I did ask her about Ultimate Warrior. I do remember that just very briefly, and it was super short, nothing new to gain, and it, it wasn't much of a uh, like she made it kind of sound like it was not it was not, it was nothing really, you yeah. know. Um, so I, unfortunately, I didn't we didn't be able, we didn't be we're, we weren't able to officially connect the dots on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, she, she must've spent all of three minutes in the interview talking about ultimate warrior and it just wasn't good enough to really use in the piece. I felt like, uh, Jason, let's talk about some other folks that you try to get on board for the episode. Obviously wrestling sometimes can be a political minefield and, uh, who, who can you talk to? <laughs> who can't you talk to? Who will talk with you? Who won't blah, blah, blah. Do you remember swinging for the fences and coming up a little short on some names that you would have liked to have had represented in the story? 
Yeah, we would have loved to have had Sting, uh, obviously, with his connection with Warrior and then coming up together through bodybuilding and entering the wrestling world together. Um, but I think he was, at the time, when we asked him, I think he was, like, in between gigs or it seemed like, I don't know. Yeah, he was, like, um, he was, well, at, at first he, had, he hadn't seen the show yet. Uh, he hadn't he hadn't watched the show, but he heard good things. So I sent him a couple of links, and he watched them, and he got back to me, and he was so nice about it. Like I, it was un- unbelievably nice about it about turning us down. The nicest decline we've ever gotten for the show. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think for him it's probably tough. I think it's tough for a lot of wrestlers to speak about Jim because it's either like, am I going to be honest or do I, you know, how am I going to play this? And if I'm not honest, it could be bad, you know? So I think like you said, Conrad, a political minefield is the perfect way to put it. And it's just like, you know, and, and he was so nice. And, and, you know, he basically said like, you know, I, I, I wish you guys well, I know you're going to do a great job, but like, I just can't right now. I just, I can't. And he was really firm and I tried, I pushed, I pushed as hard as I could because I, it would have been amazing to have him in there. Um, and I could also just tell uh, too, with the A&E story, uh, as well that you know you didn't really see like I said earlier many wrestlers who were uh, contemporaries of Jim's who were there talking about Jim in that documentary unless they were archival interviews from 2014 15 or whatever you know like when they had Sting's interview or Hogan's interview and I think that that is I'm sure that they struggled with that too uh, and I totally sympathize with that because it was hard for us to get um wrestlers to want to talk about Jim or to get back to us even. Um, one that also comes to mind, which I was surprised at, was Scott Hall. Um, and, I, and and maybe some folks out there might be like, why would you want to talk to Scott Hall about The Ultimate Warrior? But something stuck in my mind when we interviewed Scott a few years back for the show is that he really looked up to The Warrior a lot as like a, as a role model in the industry, which... I was surprised when I heard that because not a lot of people say that. But you know, for 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 Scott, even though he's comes, you know, he's he he's very passionate about the business, and he's he's gone, he's done all the hard yards and paid all the dues and all that stuff. Um, but you know, for him, it's not about winning or losing. For some wrestlers, it's about winning or losing. And you know, but Warrior was mostly focused on the money and 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 that. And so. Um, he said, yeah, Warrior had it figured out, man. He had the limousines and he had the dressing room and he had, you know, he had the boss's ear, you know, he had it all figured out, you know. So I thought that would have been an interesting point of view because a lot of wrestlers resent all that, you know, and they don't respect that element of Jim. And so I thought to have that other side, like, you know, because not a lot of the folks are are a lot of people who liked Jim in the locker room are no longer with us, unfortunately. So. To tr- you, we had to try and get creative to try and find a way to find wrestlers who could say something positive about Jim, you know, and that was kind of one of the ideas that was pitched, but it didn't work out, unfortunately, because Scott didn't get back to us. But that, that would have been interesting. There were other family members that we had reached out to. Uh, Jim, Jim Helig's brother, Jay, uh, was one that we talked to briefly and, and his daughter, so Jim Helwig's niece. And um, they were kind of hot and cold about being uh, in the episode. They they talked to us a little bit, told us some stories, and told us some things. Um, but then it just, I don't want to, the term ghosted is a little too extreme. I think just kind of drifted away and we weren't able to really, like, it's not like they officially declined, but we just couldn't nail anything down and we had to keep moving and that was it. But that, that, those were others that we tried to get in the episode as well. 
Jason, how much does uh, David Manning jump off the screen every time you guys turn the red light on? <laughs> oh my God, David Manning is amazing. Uh, he's such a great storyteller and has an incredible memory for details too. Um, and you know, it was such a it was so important for us to have him involved with, especially the first season when we were, you know, telling the stories of Bruiser Brody and the Von Erichs and Gino Hernandez. You know, he was he was he had a first first row seat to all of those stories and um you know it's just, it's always a pleasure to be able to like interview him and you know he was there for when jim Helwig came to world-class championship wrestling and you know hearing his perspective on it uh was cool and just you know there's some stuff we couldn't like fit into the episode you know about like he told this like great story about how um he uh he like had like David Manning had like a really bad neck one morning and uh, and <laughs> yeah. he like he came to the studio to uh, the well it's because he took the bump he oh yeah that's bump. right he took that bump yeah yeah where so, his neck is in the ropes yeah, the oh, yeah. that's so crazy yeah we show that yeah, yeah. in um, was it the Von Eric episode we showed Gino that or Gino of, I can't I think it's Gino or I can't remember yeah yeah and so yeah his neck is like all messed up and he <laughs> walks into the locker room and. Jim Helwig sees him and he's like, man, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong with your neck? And uh, he explains, you know, he messed it up. And he's like, well, let me let me take a look at it. And he like wrapped a towel like around David Manning's neck, had him lay down. <laughs> and, and you know, he just like took the towel and he, and he yanked on it. And David Manning said that his neck sounded like like a huge tree, tree trunk had just snapped. <laughs> He pulled his, like, pulling his head off. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God. And then Jim Helwig's just like, just sit there for a minute. And then he got up and he, he felt completely normal. He was like, he couldn't believe it. And then, <laughs> and then he said, after, he said years afterwards, he, David Manning would use that te- technique on some other friends and family. Yeah. He's a chiropractor. Oh, he's a chiropractor. <laughs> and that's, that's the one thing we didn't really touch on is that another part of this story that was interesting to us is the fact that, yeah. Jim Helwig was studying to be a chiropractor and mm-hmm. Sherry was, stu- was wanting to study to be a nurse. So just imagine like that's what you think your life is going to be. You know, we're going to be in these two fields and normal life, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, he's the WWF champion in a few fucking years. Like that's that's a roller coaster. That's a legitimate, crazy experience. Like if if you're your loved one, you think that's the door that that's the path that you're going to go down. And all of a sudden it's completely different. Um, but one thing, Conrad, I know you have no extra time in the world, but if you ever do do a little bonus ad free shows, I could definitely see a David Manning ad free. Oh, he's the best. Show. He's the best. Um, that I would listen to for sure. A little world class series with David Manning. Um, yeah. But yeah, David Manning's amazing. The other just little funny thing I just wanted to get in is this story about Bruiser Brody because you never you don't really think Bruiser Brody and Ultimate Warrior crossing paths, and that's you know two two figures for, you know from our show, but. Um, is this this really funny moment that David Manning told where I think it was Rick Rude. I think it was Warrior and Rick Rude were in a match and Brody had was the agent of the match, more or less. He came up with the finish, worked with it and everything, and David Manning's sitting there and they're watching it on the monitors. <laughs> and all of a sudden Brody's getting super hot because, you know, Warrior's not selling. He's not selling any of the shit. And then Brody's just like, oh, this guy. I'm getting so mad and he's like he's not selling he's not selling and so Bru- uh, bruiser brody takes uh, a chair and he's about to walk out to the ring and he's like i'm gonna make that son of a bitch sell you know i'm gonna hit him over the head with this chair and david manning's like no 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 <laughs> don't like you know go out there but he said that they had to take him 
after stuff, routine stuff like that, they had to sit him down and be like, this is what this business is. And you got to sell and you got to do this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and Jim kept pushing back because he, he looked like the because of the body he had and everything. And it's semi-ironic coming from Brody, who's notorious for also, you know, not selling Lex Luger or yeah. sometimes, you know, laying in the middle of the ring when he wasn't paid the right amount of money, but things like that. But it's still just kind of an interesting crossing of paths there. Um, but yeah, David Manning. Awesome dude. Can't wait to have him back in the show again. Let's talk about, uh, the WCW run. Uh, yeah, I realize you guys have to make decisions. Sometimes everything can't make the show. Obviously, if this was a, a two hour or three hour, we could tell the whole story maybe, but I saw you guys had clips from your conversations with Eric Bischoff. And I know that you yeah. were there shooting him for collision in Korea and Pillman and a bunch of other stuff, but still was the WCW thing ever on the agenda to cover Jason, or did you know from the beginning, we just won't have time? Uh, no, we did. Uh, originally we were going to have a moment about his, uh, his stint at WCW and, um, yeah. and, and it was in there at the beginning of cuts, but, um, like we always have with all our episodes, there's almost such, so much runtime and, you know, we have to debate like, what are we going to keep on the screen and what to lose? And I think that was one of the things where we felt it had mm -hmm. been so heavily covered in other documentaries about the ultimate warrior, um, that it just I didn't, just... it just didn't flow with a, with, with our episode. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, uh, obviously like in hindsight, being 2020, seeing now the A&E story, which we didn't know of at the time or anything, or, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're moving so fast to making this show um, in terms of like, you know, we're, we're working on 14 documentaries at the same time. You know, it's a lot of stuff going on that I think hindsight being 2020, there's, I think, different ways that we could have approached elements of this story. Um, but when it came to the WCW thing, I noticed that like that's like the top comment about yeah. our episode is, you know, where's the WCW run? You know, where how where's that at? You know, and it's like, oh my god, you know, you know, to us those little kind of career bioe moments, the Wikipedia entry moments, are the things that just usually will hit the cutting room floor first because they're not really that emotional. Um, and but even though that one is funny. The WCW run is funny. You know, I will, I will give you that. But it <clears throat> kind of came down to the Destrucity beat or the WCW run beat. And I think the Destru I think Jim Jim Ross's line about fucking Destrucity is going to beat any other line in the episode. So, um, but to me, you know, when we interviewed Eric about it, the, the one thing that kind of stood out that was that was fun is when he was talking about how Warrior came in to do uh, a promo, uh, uh, I think, at Nitro. And they're live, obviously, <clears throat> and it opens the show. And they and they I'm sure he told this on 83 weeks, but for those who haven't heard it, he went through the promo with Warrior. It's like, OK, you got eight to t ten minutes here and then we got to go to commercial and then we're going to da, da da da. And Bischoff is in the ring in character. So he's not behind the scenes running the trucks or whatever he would normally do. <clears throat> so Warrior comes out, does the promo and he's going over 20 minutes and they've blown past multiple commercial breaks and Eric is stuck in the ring like I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do because I'm sure he's like I'm going to have to go back there and reformat the goddamn show we're going to have to cut wrestling matches from the card tonight but it was a really entertaining scene just because Warriors just going off for like 25 minutes you know on live nitro and uh you know that you know blowing the spot while they have to go back and reformat the whole show so that was kind of you know, and also kind of, you know, recapturing the storyline between Hogan and, and Warrior was obviously what they were looking to do there. And that's something we, we could have covered, but it's just 
you're, you're, you're too far off the beaten path at that point. And I think talking about the motivational speaker, you know, into Destrucity, into how that morphed into, you know, the the right wing semi white nationalist you know, that he became, you know, I think that's more the trajectory where the story should go. Right. And isn't the WCW part kind of. I could be wrong about this, but in a lot of ways, like Hogan trying to reclaim a win over yes. Warrior from yes. WrestleMania. So in some ways, it almost belongs in the Hogan story to a degree. <laughs> it feels more like it's to service him than the than the Warrior, but I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of the big debate, right? Conrad is like, was this for, for Hogan to get his win back, or is it just to make a bunch of money? Both. Well, well, <laughs> right. Let's talk about the uh, the incredible... <laughs> We've talked about this before, but the process of shooting, I guess what fans call the reenactments and Mm -hmm. this had to be, uh, difficult to cast. You got to get a jacked up dude who looks like (laughs) the ultimate warrior. It's not like there's, those guys are just hanging Uh, around everywhere. Tell me about shooting these reenactments. Yeah. Well, you know, for when we shot the ultimate warrior reenactments, I think we were also shooting four other episodes of reenactments too. Uh, and so it's, it's a lot to keep track of, but you know, we were shooting, I believe it was the Pillman reenactments. No, no, no. Was uh, it at Jake. first or was it Jake, Jake. the Jake reenactments? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You're uh, right. Sorry. The was, Grizzly Smith. Yeah. Yeah. It was the Grizzly Smith reenactments and we had just finished, I think that episode. And then the, like the next day we're going to move on to the ultimate warrior reenactments and we had cast like the the episodes week in ad- weeks in advance so that our production team can you know make the the wigs and get the makeup and the costumes especially the costumes getting all the fittings and everything right so we had casted somebody to play the ultimate warrior which like you said it was difficult like i couldn't find necessarily yeah. a wrestler that like had that kind of size like i had to go look at toronto bodybuilders and um, we found this guy. Um, is uh, his name was Antoine? I forget his last name, but he was a follower. call him out. Uh, it was like Valiant or something. Uh, he has a bunch yeah. of followers on Instagram, and he agreed to do it. and And he was a little worried about because uh, he was training, I think, for a competition. And he was worried about missing a couple days, like two days of working out. And uh, we explained to him like what the hours would be, what it would entail. We could set a room aside for you you know, with equipment, if you need to re to, to, to work out while we're, while we're filming in between, <laughs> in setups, between takes, yeah. uh, he agreed to do it. And then literally it was the night before we're shooting. I think it was like the producers called me into the office. I, it was like 7 PM, you know, right at the end of like wrapping. And we're going to be on set the next morning at 7 AM to, to shoot the warrior stuff. And I'm told that this guy like backed out that he's not going to do it because he's worried that he's not going to be able to get his workout in. And I couldn't, I was like, I I couldn't believe it. I, I like, I never had any, an actor ever no showed me like the night before we're shooting. And we have all these people, the main character, the star, the main character, the star of the episode. We have his costumes made. You had them all done, you know, to fit his body. And you have to, we have to get, I think he even went for the COVID test. Like you have to, everyone has to get tested before. And, 
you know, it's just, it's really high stress just as it is. And then he drops out like the night before. Yeah, was it was like, terrible. oh my God, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, we don't have our ultimate warrior. Like, how, how are we going to make this work? Like, who the hell so are we So Jason had to get in there. Jason put on all the tassels and yes, I did. painted so his me. face and had to run in there. That's Jason now. He's, yeah. he's looking no. pretty good. <laughs> no, we, we ended up like, it just, it came to us like, let's get the guy who played Dino Bravo in our Dino Bravo episode, who is, uh, his name is Mike, uh, uh, Sylvians. No, and it's he, uh, Mike Svillens. Svillens, sorry. I always pronounce his last name wrong. Um, but he, we, you like called him up and you were just like, dude, can you do us a huge favor? Yeah. You know, he's just like working at his job and, yeah. We're like, dude, we need you to be the ultimate warrior like tomorrow morning at like, you know, 7 a.m. Like, can you do it? Yeah. And he was, was like, yeah. he was like, absolutely. He was like, I'll be there. And yeah. I mean, well, first off, this Antoine guy, you know, maybe this was just, you know, Jim Helway getting back at us posthumously. Um, but I didn't fucking anticipate that this guy was be method acting, uh, uh, you know, the ultimate warrior by no showing us. Um <laughs> But um, uh, no, Mike, Mike, uh, Mike's villains not only just played Dino Bravo, he also played Carrie Von Eric in the first season. Right. Um, which somebody pointed out on Twitter, which is amazing to see. But that's kind of cool thematically. You know, Warrior yeah. and Carrie Von Eric were super tight. Um, so, yeah, we had to get this guy in. I mean, literally, I think it was nine hours before he was to be on set playing the Ultimate Warrior, he agreed to do it. So it was at the last yeah. possible second. We had to get him in, change all the costumes, refit all the costumes, do everything, and he had to get into the mindset. And yeah, he was just like at one day, you know, at his day job, and then, you know, here he is. He has to he has to be a star of the show. And he fucking crushed it. And also cool side note is that he was at WrestleMania six at the Sky Dome and witnessed that match and that left a huge impression on him. So it is like kind of trippy yeah. and surreal that now he's, you know, giving Hogan the splash and doing all this stuff. It know? worked out so much better for us because he like he came to set, walked into hair and makeup and costumes, walked out as the ultimate warrior. I didn't have to give him any direction. He had already mm. studied it his whole life. And, you know, like we said, he he was there for WrestleMania six and you know, that left such a huge impression on him. So it worked out great because I just had, you know, someone who was acting like the ultimate warrior on set, but you know, he was pretty <laughs> professional when it wasn't rolling, but um, he, he was, he's incredible. I got, you got so much love for him and yeah. Thank, thank you, Mike, for doing that. You like, yeah, Mike, big time. Mike, you saved our ass and you were also able to get Hogan up uh, in the, in the, fully in the uh, press slam too, which is yeah, it's crazy. Pretty, pretty goddamn impressive. So thank you, Mike. We love you. So let's talk about the, uh, the happy ending of the story, uh, is the reconciliation with WWE and warrior coming back for the hall of fame. And then of course his death, just a couple of days later, mm. um, this is a, the hard part of any dark side, right? You've, you've got this figure that you either want to love or hate, but when they're no longer with us, people tend to look back and. I don't know, see things through a different lens sometimes. How did you want to tackle that aspect of this, Evan? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's such a uh surreal, you know, part of the story and I'll never forget it, you know, watching the whole Hall of Fame speech and then hearing about him passing away just a short while after and and just being like, "Really?" 
it, like I didn't believe it was real when I first heard that because um, it was so wild. Um, and, you know, for us, it was like the reconciliation that he had, you know, with Jake, you know, if you're believing the roll of quarters <laughs> or, you know, coming around, coming around with uh, Vince or whatever, you know, putting this kind of decade long plus contentious relationship to rest and kind of, you know, doing all that, it does kind of ha- show you like the echoes and, you know, in, in the previous act of our episode where he ha- reconciles with Sherry and, you know, he's capable of doing that, you know? And so I think that that's kind of one of the parallels I think we wanted to show is that, you know, he, you know, for so long, I mean, it's something, again, you just don't have the runtime to, to cover, but, you know, fans in the know know, which is after he leaves WWF in 1996, there is just lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit between WWF and Jim, uh, you know, whether it's over merchandise or whether it's over the name or whether it's over the DVD, Self-Destruction, the Ultimate Warrior and all that drama. It's like the last two people you'd think that would ever come back into the fold or the last person that would come back into the fold is Jim. And he does, you know, and um, so I, I it, you really can't tell the Ultimate Warrior story, uh, even though ours is kind of looking at a more specific area of his of his life. Um, without including that, because it, it is just, uh, it is so wild. But one of the other things, too, that I do remember from Sherry's interview as well, and it's a little bit in the episode when she talks about when he was studying to be a chiropractor, he was absolutely knowledgeable, very, very knowledgeable about physiology and cardiology. He knew the heart disease ran in his family, and 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 she kind of attested it to kind of like, he kind of he anticipated his life was going to be short you know he knew that it could be short i think his dad died super young um and so you know she sort of looked at that as that was one of the main motivating factors in his life is that like i i could i i if i don't do this now it could never happen or like it all needs to happen very fast you know and 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 she kind of looked at that as maybe that's just kind of where his attitude came from in terms of you know, at all costs, making it to the top and doing all this. And, but you have to wonder when you watch back the Hall of Fame footage, I mean, I remember it too. He didn't look well. And Jim Ross talks about it too. Like he didn't look well. He looked uh, sick. And obviously he was very, uh, uh, he was very, he was like sweating during his last promo. It just didn't look, you know, great. And you have to wonder if he himself knew that his time was short and that was another part of the reconciliation. So that just adds a whole nother element of intrigue, I think to this whole just wild saga, you know, let's talk a little bit about the A and E documentary. It it felt like at different points, they were trying to towards the end of the story. Uh uh, I frame that one speech that he gave that was filmed as almost like an isolated incident, but if you were watching his YouTube back then, or you were reading his blogs back then, you realize that wasn't exactly the case. Right. What say you, Evan? Well, yeah, that was the one part of the documentary that I was a little bit surprised by, um, in terms of like, you know, uh, and, and I, I don't know if it's an editing thing or if it's just the way that, you know, the family wanted to portray that side of his story, but it did kind of come across as, you know, his college speech, you know, when he said, you know, the, what he said and, um, was an isolated incident and kind of a mis- like just a, just a one time mistake, you know? Um, and, and, and then blaming it on Rush Limbaugh. I, I, that to me just was, you know, based upon the amount of Jim Helwig or warrior, or whatever, you know, 
based on the amount of his comments and speech and rhetoric uh, that I had read, <laughs> you know, prior to you know seeing this documentary, it's like no, that that is not true at all. You know, he was like I said for years. Um, using every platform available to him on his website, his blog, his YouTube channel, as you said, to 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 spread that type of speech any way he could. And so it's not a one isolated sort of thing. I mean, and I, I'm not going to read it or quote it from here, but if anyone's curious and wants to know more about it, you can Google search, you know, Ultimate Warrior Hurricane Katrina. Uh, you can Google search oh. Ultimate Warrior Martin Luther King Jr. And you can see the types of things that he was saying. And I even remember getting one blog post from his original website um, and looking at it and, and, and reading it and, and typing in command F, you know, to search. And I typed in queer and it came up 53 different times in one post, you know? So this is not a guy who had a slip up at a public speaking event. This is, you know, this is his beliefs. This is what he was, you know, um, teeing up to be. This is what, this is what his rhetoric was all about. And then, was on C-SPAN in, in our piece when you hear him talk, you know, he, I think I, now the name is escaping me, unfortunately, but he was part of kind of this like young Republican CPAC kind of thing, you know, like that's what the organization that was kind of sponsoring him talking there. And that group would go on to have the heaviest presence in Charlottesville, you know, during all of the stuff that happened, you know, you know, just a few years back. So it's, it's, you know, he's aligning himself that type of conservatism that far right wing white nationalism i mean that's what it is you know so to me it's like seeing the way that it was portrayed in that documentary um that just kind of just took me by surprise and was just like no that's that 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 isn't what this is and that's that's what makes the warrior award that much more surreal uh to me um and so so yeah, so so uh, you know, I think there's an argument. There's so many documentaries or areas of focus on this man's life because it is so fascinating. But that area in particular almost could be its own episode, looking deeper into this man's very, 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 very complicated legacy. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's something we could have done, kind of like the the fabulous Moolah uh, episode that we did, right? You know, where we kind right. of centered it around the the fabulous Moolah uh, Royal Rumble. Um, yeah. And kind of looking at it in that way. And yeah, the thing that sucks is like he, you know, he was going around preaching, you know, to it almost like in a way to like better your life. But then it like, it mm-hmm. um, includes all this like hate speech. So it's excluding certain groups of people from that kind of talk, you know? And so that makes it hard for the having the warrior award is because it's like, well, it can't like, he associated this rhetoric with it. Right. And so what does that mean for people who are in those, in those groups or in the LGBT community or the African American community? Um, like, I don't know It that makes it really hard to, uh, to, well, to celebrate that. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, uh, is that in the, in the A and E piece, um, is it, it doesn't really, um, it 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 doesn't really give us any idea or mention if his, if these beliefs that he had that he was so passionate about had ever subsided or he had atoned for them or his beliefs changed because we understand he became a father and then he became a great father and that's all well and good but what happened to the beliefs what what happened to you know the way that he 
yeah, like what, what, what happened to that, that philosophy, you know, that, 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 that ideology, we never get any indication that, that, uh, that ever went away, you know, from that piece. And that could just be an editing thing or whatever. But, um, the, you know, he's reconciled with his personal relationships in life, but he, he never had the chance to reconcile about that aspect of it, you know, at all. So we're left as fans. I think it puts fans in an awkward position, you know, to, uh, and I think that's why he, he is now in this day and age become one of the more debated. That's why the, I think this last week was so intense is because, you know, you want to have that nostalgia. We were all were six years old and we saw this man running through the curtains and it was the most unbelievable thing you'd ever seen. That music, Jim Johnston, God, Jim John, get him in the goddamn Hall of Fame already. Yes. Jim Johnston, like, you know, I mean, he's a huge part of that package. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, it's hard because we never got to know about um, if he ever atoned for any of that, you know? And so... I think to to take his legacy and to transform it into one of virtuosity, you know, like, you know, here's a virtuous man and we're going to give it to people who have the strength of the warrior. That to me is, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, dark side of the ring. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I can't wrap my head around that. And I think that that to me, uh, yeah, is, is just one of the aspects of this legacy that is... Um, yeah, it's just it's disturbing to me. Let's talk about Dana. Uh, Dana has been out front with the Warrior Award, and obviously she was all over the A and E documentary. And it came out in your—I didn't realize this, but it turns out other people found blogs where he attributed this to her as well. But you found a C-SPAN clip and put it in the doc that basically said, "Hey, I learned these radical conservative views from my wife." Yeah. Um. What do you think? Well, that of was that? a, yeah, I, see, that's, that's just one of those things where I saw, you know, uh, again, the, the Rush Limbaugh thing. And then just, uh, in, in, when we had that clip in there, it was mostly illustrative of the fact that, you know, he, uh, he, he's going like, it was almost used as the way to transition from one part of his life to the next, not knowing really the weight of that line. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, I, I think, um, I, I, but who knows? I mean, you know, like n w nobody knows if like those were exactly her views, you know, I mean, that's not something that we found out, you know, maybe she was, you know, had some conservative beliefs, but then Jim took it in a different direction. Cause I believe you have to have, to have, to say the things that Jim said, uh, on his YouTube and, you know, whether it was about Bobby Heenan or, 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 or the stuff he said about, you know, other, uh, other groups, other disenfranchised groups. I think that that has to come from some, something ingrained in yourself. I don't think that you can, maybe you can, I mean, I guess you can be radicalized in that way, but I'm, I'm not sure what, what sort of happened there, but I mean, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting when you see how these two do documentaries played off of uh, each other in that regard, I feel like. I'm curious, uh, you know, since we're talking about Dana, what you guys thought of her comment, Jason, when she compared your work to quote smut and filth. Ooh. Yeah. Well, well we have our new tag team name, so <laughs> I'll be smut. You can be filth. All right. <laughs> I actually took a shower before this. Um, but, um, uh, at first it was, uh, it, it was kind of funny at first. Um, 
And then it like you saw like we saw on Twitter and online, all these like websites started picking up on it and describing our our saying our show is described as smut and filth. And I think, you know, when I when you start to see that, I think it it um, it felt like it was kind of diminishing like what our show is about because I feel like our show is you know very far away from being smut and filth and you know we have <laughs> subjects and people on our show who like bear their soul to us and yeah. you know i think about the families that you know who who've done that for our show um and to consider it like smut and filth is i don't know it's just not it's just not what it is and i think maybe she hasn't seen our show because i don't i really don't think like if you'd seen it um that that's what you would come away with uh, thinking that it's it's smut and filth. Yeah, yeah, and like to me, it, exactly right, Jason. Like I just was thinking about um, you know Sandra Toffolani. I was thinking about David Benoit, and I was thinking about uh, Martha Hart, and the, you know, yeah, and, and the trust that you know folks have had in us uh, in in sort of making the show. And it was it, it yeah, I think for us to reappropriate the term, you know, like we did with the t-shirt and everything, I, I sort of felt like it was a in defense of, you know, this is not what our show is about. And, you know, um, I think, but I, I assume that, you know, she has, she hadn't seen the show and she's taking it at, at name value, which that happens. You know, people look at the name of our show and they assume one thing. Um, so I get that, but you know, for us, it was, it was also, you know, an opportunity because there was a lot of heat going into, uh, Going into that, the, into Warrior Week, you know, so um, I think it was all just part of the intensity of all of this. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap things up here. We need to talk about the Warrior Award and and Warrior's legacy from here. Uh, what do you think it'll wind up being? And, and do you think these documentaries changed anyone's opinion, or did it affect this legacy at all, Jason? I I do think. Um both the documentaries kind of work as like companion pieces in a way. Um, I think you could watch both of them and kind of come up with your own conclusions as to how you want to, you know, yeah. um, work through your, your fandom uh, with the ultimate warrior. Um, for me, it's something I think I'm going to probably continue to wrestle <laughs> with myself. You know, there are, I do have this nostalgia for the ultimate warrior character. You know, he was such a big part of my childhood. Um, but then I don't know, maybe I'm learning something, a life lesson through him as well too, you know, um, because for me, it it's almost like a cautionary tale um, to a degree on how to leave your legacy. And um, if um, I don't know, like there, it's hard. It, it, it's hard. Like I like to think that the ultimate warrior thought that those things that he said were wrong and that he felt bad mm. about saying them and yeah. he would have apologized for them someday. And I really wish he did. Cause that would really help me out on, uh, you know, kind of fig- figuring my own, uh, fandom for him. So yeah, it's, a uh, yeah, it's, um, it makes it complicated. And, um, but, you know, there are aspects of his life that, you know, that, you know, he did, you know, apologize to Sherry and to some of the other of his uh, his peers. Um, but I just I I really wish he would have said something about those things that he had said, because, uh, yeah, it just makes it really hard. Yeah. And I I uh, I, I, I also agree. I, but 
I do think there's a way to, you know, uh, you know, the Ultimate Warrior is a character, you know, um, and there's a lot of people that went into creating that character. You know, Vince has a huge part of that. And of course, you know, Jim Johnston, uh, to go back to Jim Johnston, yeah. you know, and, and there's a lot of artistry that went into creating that character. And even though, you know, um, it, you know, <clears throat> his run was brief, you know, but he made he did make a huge impact in all of our lives as kids. And, you know, we're, we're not going to slam the door on that, you know, and I don't think anyone's really telling you to, you know, it, that, 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 you know, like, you know, in the same way G.I. Joe's or Transformers or whatever had an impact on us as kids. I mean, they helped to shape who we are, yeah. right? I mean, a large part of Ultimate Warrior and Jake and Undertaker and, you know, Hogan and all that stuff, th- that's why we're here today. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, we're here because of those characters and um, what the impacts they had on our lives. So that's not something that's ever going to go away. It's never going to go away the impact in one time that these characters had on our life. Um, that being said, it's going to make it harder, you know, in, in terms of the legacy to, to, to continue it on in, 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 in some fashion, you know, to, 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 to uh, continue having conversations. And that I think that's good. I think continuing to have conversations about the ultimate warrior can be a good thing, you know, and, and like you said, it's a cautionary tale and, and, and maybe it's a kind of microcosm of, you know, how we can discuss other things, you know, either in politics or in our life or in our relationships, you know, that's the type of way we should be looking at it. I kind of wish in my life that even though I do think that the way that he's being celebrated today on one end of the spectrum is harder for fans like us that grew up, I also do think that just making it all about fandom, just the black and white, can I be a fan or can I not be a fan thing, I don't think is the right conversation. I think it's better for us to have a conversation in terms of just talking about this individual and creating more discourse about how we celebrate legacies and what they mean and what we can learn from them as, and not to get too flowery or too, you know, pretentious, but just like about, you know, and how that can relate to humanity and us, you know, and that's one of the things that we try and do with the show uh, ultimately. And um, I think there's a lot to be learned uh, from this fascinating, complicated, divisive personality if not maybe the most in some ways in all of wrestling well and that'll do it boys and girls we appreciate you tuning in to a very special edition of dark side of the podcast we'll be back next friday breaking down this thursday night story and it's all about the man known as grizzly you know him as jake the snake's dad and this is perhaps the darkest dark side of the ring ever jason yeah i would say so it's um it's definitely I think going to be the hardest one, uh, probably for some yeah. to watch. It's, uh, yeah, you know, definitely got to give a trigger warning for <laughs> this episode. Cause it's, um, it deals with subject matter. We haven't really quite tackled before. Um, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, generational sexual abuse in a family and, um, and I think it gives, uh, a very honest, uh, perspective on, uh, people who have dealt with those kinds of things. And I think hopefully, and what I've been hearing from the, the, the people who have seen the episode so far, far is that it has the potential to do a lot of good and help people and people to hear, you know, the story of Jake, the snake Roberts and his siblings and what they went through growing up, uh, could be inspirational to, to some people who've gone through something similar and could see a light at the end of it. Um, 
but yeah, very. I, I'm very proud of the episode. I think it's one of our our, our best yeah. episodes for sure. I agree. I agree. I I I think that yeah, like Jason said, it's. I think you know, as hard as it is of a watch, um, I think it is. You know, it's extremely emotional. Um, it has the ability to create more conversation and for for people hopefully to be. Um, you know, for it to help people, but also, um, you know, at the, at the same time, I think, you know, rock and Robin, uh, who's absolutely amazing. That's Jake's half sister. Rock and Robin is absolutely amazing. And, yeah. and, 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 and unbelievably brave to tell the story and, and her and Jake, you know, really wanted to come together and their other, you actually see their other sibling who wasn't a wrestler. His name is Richard. And they, they really come together and Sam Houston, of course, to tell this story with the effort to help people. That 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 their story can be inspirational, and um, as hard as it is, I think it is maybe one of our more important, if not the most yeah. important episode we made. And we'll be breaking it down next week right here on Dark Side of the Podcast. See you next week, everybody. All right, real quick before we get out of here, I gotta say it one last time: I want to save you money. Stop what you're doing and rush over to SaveWithConrad.com. This is going to be the best summer ever. Just ask Miguel in Plainsville, Ohio. He left us a five-star review at conradreviews.com, and it said this. Big thank you to Conrad and his team. I enjoyed my experience working with First Family Mortgage. Jimmy was there. Anytime I had any questions, he was just a text message away. Saving money and refinancing my home couldn't have been any easier. Miguel's saving a whole bunch of cash, and you can too right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But I do want to mention, this isn't just for refinancing. Maybe you've outgrown your current home or you're tired of throwing your money away on rent. First Family Mortgage can help you get into your next house fast and easy at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come on, let's make this the best summer ever with a little summer vacation from house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.